Honestly, TJ, am I asking for too much for the Minnesota Timberwolves to just disappear out of my life? Because my life would be a lot more easier if they weren't in it. Twenty twenty one, year eighteen, and there is still no sign of LeBron James slowing down. Best player in the world by a mile. The Lakers will repeat as twenty twenty one NBA champions. It's time for the Triple Threat Podcast. Here are your hosts, PJ Severo and Steven Strong. All right, welcome in here to the Triple Threat Podcast, episode 103. Yes, welcome to 2021, TJ Severo and Steven Strong. Zoom does work, and this is the first time we've finally discovered that, hey, we can be in separate places. And when we did do it during the last dance, because we did have to record separately during the quarantine period when we didn't know what the heck was going to go like down, we had to literally hold our phone next to the microphone and it was to that point and now yeah. we discovered we can go on zoom tj's on his blue yeti i'm on my sure mic because chris Savara doesn't want to hand over the mic for a couple hours um we're back tj we've got so much to talk about but let me first ask you how you are today on your blue yeti on my sure we're finally on two mics uh, as a professional podcast um, I want to say this. Uh, there are, I don't think there are two bigger idiots when it comes to anything <laughs> in terms of like technology and how to set up like a podcast. Like, okay, me and Steve could talk. Steve, Steve does all day. He could talk all day. Um, but when you ask us to set up anything, te- the technical side of anything, it's a oh my disaster. God, forget it. Every single time. So the fact that we've even made it this far and that we could do, <laughs> we could do this right now. Uh, t- tip your caps to us. Tip your cap. I, I, we had to get John Romano to Aruga's. We had to wake his butt up at like nine in the morning and Johnny likes to sleep. So it was just a disaster trying to get him to help us out. And we need to be better. I mean, let's be honest. We have to be better here. But um, before we get into it, TJ, I did want to share with the people uh, my new um, yes, advertiser. Okay. And here is the thing that I have to read to you guys because I want to help you out. I have a promo code. Support for the Triple Threat Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, Deej. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology development to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Seriously, fellas, you can do some damage with this bad boy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code STROM, S-T-R-O-M at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use STROM. TJ, I actually used this this yeah. weekend. Oh, I mean, no, different I've, dude. I've, Steve, I, I will say this. Um, I'm pretty sure Jason's got Manscaped, and I know a bunch of other people that actually have products, and um, it's a 100% success review rate. Oh. on everything manscape people love manscape so great that's a great sponsorship bag for you right there and and uh, they they send me a care package it's for free obviously and the cover says your balls will thank you i mean the marketing behind this whoever is in charge of it a plus congratulations nope. um manscaped again promo code strong get 20 percent off all right teach we got a lot to get into college football playoff college football national championship pardon me yesterday night ohio state alabama bama wins 52 24 we also have the nfl wildcard reaction even though it is tuesday we want to get our reactions and we'll talk a little bit about this weekend as well but tonight 
we will begin with the college football championship, and that was Bama rolling over on Ohio State 52-24 Alabama. The sixth time in 12 years under Saban, they've won a national championship, finished 13-0, and for Saban, it was career title number seven, breaking um, the great Paul Bear Bunyan for the most by a major college coach. Teej, what was some of your takeaways from last night's dominant performance by Bama? Um, so speaking of, of Nick Saban and just to stay with him for a sec, it's always funny. Like you get one happy Saban interview a year and it's after he, after he wins yep. the national championship. Like, like Belichick. It's the one, yeah, it's the one time that, you know, you see him smile and he's happy and it's, oh, this great group of guys when all year it's been, we're not where we need to be. We need to be better. Like, um, what is my, my question was, and I, this kind of a rhetorical question, you don't have to answer it this second. When I swing it back to you, you can answer it if you like, but okay. What at this point? What is he? What's he coaching for? Like, I don't think he's ever going to make the jump back to the NFL. Like that that ship has sailed. I don't think he. That's a, something that's interests him. He's got the all time record now. He's got seven. Like Mac Jones goes here. I'm sure they have stud quarterbacks. And and I saw a really like interesting stat when because when we think about Alabama football, Steve, throughout this entire dynasty, like this dynasty will be remembered the, at least the first half of it. As a run-the-ball-play defense, you know, that's how we're going to win games. Yeah, he is. Now, Alabama has the longest streak in college football of games with 30-plus points. So, Alabama has been the best offense in college football as well over the last three three or four seasons. I'm pretty sure that streak extends to. Um, unbelievable. Nick Saban um, is the greatest college football coach of all time. We knew that all going time. into the night. Um, Devonta Smith is – Oh, my God. Looks like, Steve, and I, I think um, – I think you would agree with this. I think just how last year we said Joe Burrow had the best season ever for a college quarterback. I think you'd have to make the argument that Devonta Smith has had the best receiver, uh, best receiving season ever in college football. And uh, he's made himself a lot of money this season. So shout out to those guys in Alabama. That's a dominant performance, dominant season once again. All right. Devonta Smith really quickly. I, let me ask you this, uh, and, and I'll answer your saving question after. Have you ever seen a wide receiver that made this look so effortless? Have you ever seen a wide receiver make it as effortless as Devontae Smith makes it look? Like yesterday, he has 12 catches. He finishes with 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns at the end of the first half. Like these are numbers that we've never seen before. And just watching him run routes, it's effortless. Like, it looks like he just glides. He reminds me a lot of Jefferson in a lot of ways, by the way, T. Just the way that his sort of body is. He's very skinny, very lengthy, really long strides, an unbelievable route runner. But that – have you seen any wide receiver make it look as effortless as Devontae Smith? Who, like, who, would, who comes to mind? Um, if I'm thinking of the best college wide receivers that I've seen – uh, I'm thinking of a guy like uh, Michael Crabtree with Graham Harrell okay. at Texas Tech, like something like that. I'm not, and I'm saying obviously Devonta Smith would be a better pro prospect, but like in terms of just dominating college, like back in the day, you could talk about Dwayne Jarrett and Steve Smith on USC. Like those guys made it look a little easy, but Devonta Smith is on a, a completely different level than I think we've we've seen in our lifetime at, at the receiver position. Like you said, Steve, yesterday that stat line in the first half. Let's put it – let's think about it like this because people, you know, okay, we see 12 or 253. Okay, 51 fantasy points, that is, Insane. in the first half. So, like, put it in the fantasy term perspective Put it because everyone out there plays fantasy football. 51 points in the first half, that's a monster performance. That's three weeks' worth of performances in one half. And that's in the national championship against Ohio State. 
where there's five stars dripping everywhere. Like there's, yep. there's, it's five star galore. Everyone's a five star in the field. 90% of those guys play in the NFL in that game. And I, I got to give Ohio state some sort of credit because they did hang out. Listen, Ohio state, um, like you said, there's five stars everywhere. And then there's like 10 stars everywhere for Alabama. And that's just kind of the way that it feels. And Ohio state goes and, and beats Clemson pretty handedly. And then I'm thinking to myself, man, like, if Clemson in this game, do they put up a better fight? Like, I thought Ohio State pretty, played pretty well. They, they were bad on a lot of COVID stuff. I know there were certain players that were out. But when it was 14-14, you know, I was like, man, I, I really do have to pad at least Ryan Day and Justin Fields on the back. Like, these guys are fighting. Trey Sermon ends up getting hurt early in this game. That really hurt them. But I, I don't know, man. You just look at this game yesterday, and it's 14-14. And then it's just like, just like that, like you snapped your fingers and Alabama is up 21. And I, I, I thought a huge part in this game, Teach, was when Ohio State settled for a 23-yard field goal in that second quarter. Now, they were down 21-14, but with the way that that game was going, you can't kick field goals against Alabama and win. I tweeted it yesterday, Teach. Yeah. You got to start the hashtag. You can't kick field goals against Alabama and expect to win. And yep. Ohio State was down 21-14. They settled for a 23-yard field goal, which meant you were nowhere greater than the 7-yard line. I just think when you're playing a team in the national championship like Alabama, you can't settle for three. They had to go for it in that situation. Kind of similarly to what Pittsburgh did on Sunday night, uh, fourth and one midfield at the end of the third quarter. They ended up punting, and then they ended up losing. I mean, yeah, when you play against a team like Alabama, just everything goes out the window. Like, all right, in 99.9% of the other, you know, games that you'll ever play, yeah, you take the field goal. But yeah. it's that 0.1% game against Bama where, you know, traditional uh, ways of thinking and the way you approach the game has to be different. You have to go for jugular at all times. And all times. Even if they did go for it and, and score on, on that play, does, do they win the game? Probably not. Like, like, it gives you a better chance. I hear what you're saying. It's just, and obviously you're not thinking like that in the moment, like, oh, we're still not going to win either way. But it, it just speaks to the, the dominance of Alabama. Yeah, no, 100%. Congratulations again to Alabama. Um, Justin Fields, one of the great players that did not win a national championship his last two seasons. I feel like we still got robbed of his senior year, or not his senior year, of his junior year because of the COVID stuff. But nonetheless, man, Justin Fields, has had an amazing two years. He's the number two slated quarterback. You can give me all you want about Zach Wilson, all about these other quarterbacks. Justin Fields stamped my number two approval behind Trevor Lawrence. Nothing more than that. I don't know. You know, People got a little nutty after the Clemson game. But nonetheless, congratulations to Alabama. Any more final thoughts here before we move on to the NFL? Uh, Mac Jones probably made himself a lot of money too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Mac Jones. I, I really don't teach. I, I don't. I don't know if he's necessarily a guy that I'm. I'm gonna pick, you know, in the first round, second round. I, I don't know if how I feel about him. He he's literally the definition of possibly a system guy. Let's let's revisit that when he uh, goes to to your Vikings. Oh please, don't even get me started. <laughs> All right, let's get to the NFL though because this wild card weekend was wild, and I thought it totally delivered for the six road yep. teams. Ended up winning. Uh, this weekend, just a really solid weekend of football. Uh, do you want to kind of just go through the games here? Uh, were you able to watch every single one of them? Um, yeah, you- no, I, 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 watched, I watched most of them, and I, I went back and watched, and I know the storylines and reactions of most. I had, you know, a bunch of games this weekend, but 
um, I was able to, to catch most of them. All right, let's go through them. Let's, let's start here. Let's go to the Colts and the Bills. I thought that the Colts played just about the perfect game plan. They kept the ball out of the hands for the most part of Josh Allen. They had more first downs. They outpossessed the Bills. They were better on third downs. They had more rushing, more passing yards. And then it comes down to – I don't know if you watch my takeaways. It comes down to your quarterback. And what kind of game-changer quarterback do you have? Do you have the one with the arm? Do you have the one with the legs? And for Josh Allen, he can play a B game. Phillip Rivers can play an A-plus game at this stage in his career, and the Bills are going to win every single time. And that was on full display again. I thought the Colts played a great game plan, but it didn't matter. If you don't have that quarterback, and Phillip Rivers played well, but if you don't have that guy that could break a game open, you're not going to win. The Colts became the first team in NFL postseason history to have over 450 yards of total offense and zero turnovers and lose the playoff game. Yep. Um, and gave up put, no sacks too, Teach. Let's put it like this. Um, at the end of the first half, huge – I think this is the game right here too. Um, they're going at the score. The Colts are up The Colts are up 10-7. They're going at the score. They don't get it on third down. Uh, it's a, they lose two yards on that third down. Now it's a fourth and three or a fourth and four on the goal line. And instead of just taking the, you know, the field goal, the points right there, going up 13 to seven, uh, and po- possibly holding them to uh, maybe even a 13 to 10 going at the half. You still have the lead. What do you do? You go for it off Michael Pittman's fingertips. Pittman should have had that, T. Do you think he should have had that? It hit your hands. You should catch it. Catch. That's game. a playoff catch. Yeah, I, I, you got to make that play. But still, I didn't like the decision of going for it. And usually I am a, someone who says, let's go for it. But to that point, Colts defense and up to the whole year has played really well. So I would have trusted my defense taking the field goal went up 13 to seven. And then, and then right after that, you get the fourth and three blunder where it's fourth and three and you, you get them to jump off sides. Like uh, Josh Allen gets a, gets one of the, the defensive linemen on the coast to jump off sides. And then, you know, obviously it leads to a touchdown. Now you're trailing at half rather than possibly being up six or three. It was a Go sin that they were half. down half teach. It was a sin. Yes, no, it absolutely was. And from that moment, I knew uh, the game was over. But, Steve, this, this brings me to my number one point, uh, my biggest takeaway of the, uh, of the wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs. And I, I've been hinting this to you, and, and I know you hate it, but um, I'm just all in on quarterbacks that move. Yep. Like, if you, if you move, I'm in. Um, and it, it shows, especially in the red zone in the NFL in today's day and age, like – these guys are so athletic and so fast side to side. If you have a guy like Phillip Rivers who isn't moving side to side and it, like, your, your creativity in the red zone is just nowhere where it needs to be. Like, look at all the great teams in the league and how they execute in the red zone. Bill's getting the red zone. Okay, we could have digs. Okay, I could run the ball with Josh Allen. I could, uh, you know, you got a little Cole Beasley in the slot. Like, so many different things you could do. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know what they do in Kansas City. Uh, Baltimore gets the red zone. We know Lamar is a threat to go in at any time. Like, what's your threat if you're the Colts? What's your yeah. threat if you're the Steelers? It's too like, one-dimensional. It's two, Jonathan two, Taylor. Yeah, yeah just, just too one-dimensional. So, um, I'm out on the old quarterbacks. But uh, Josh Allen, you know, he played – I thought he played like a B game, like you said. He played a B game. This was big, though, for him to get this. It, it, it sort of felt like Baltimore last year where the Bills needed to win this game, not only because they hadn't won since 1995, but – 
there's sort of a stigma, and we'll get into the Ravens game, but if Josh Allen would have lost this game to, I thought, an inferior opponent, the Colts are a really great team, but I still think the Bills are a better team. Um, And to lose to Phillip Rivers, and Rivers' entire career has been based on these types of games that he just can't win. He gets close, but he just can't win. That's that. That is, and I know everyone's locking him to the Hall of Fame, whatever. I think, you know, he's got the numbers. But Josh Allen, 26 of 35, 324, two touchdowns. He played a good game. He played a B game. And I think that he needs to play an A-plus game um, next week for them to, for them to win. I think the, the comparison, Steve, and I was also making that same comparison all week. I said, are we going to treat Josh Allen the way that we've treated Lamar Jackson after starting off 0-2 in the playoffs if Josh Allen were to start off 0-2 in the playoffs? The answer to that question clearly would have been no because the Lamar Jackson hate agenda, not just by you, Steve. And I'm not even saying you're a Lamar Jackson yeah, hater. He was okay. You don't love him. Um, but there are a lot of Lamar Jackson haters out there, but that agenda is way stronger than any Josh Allen hate agenda that's out there, even though I'm the one that tries to push the Josh Allen hate agenda. Um, I, do, I do think that, uh, that Josh Allen played well, and I do think that the Bills have honestly – they they failed him a little bit in the sense that they've just relied so heavily on him all year. Like, they don't run the ball at all. They don't run the ball effectively at all. The only time they run the ball effectively is when he runs. Yeah, is it so Moss? Is it I'm, Singletary? Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in on Josh Allen running the ball. And I think, um, I, I think you know, this this game next weekend, which we'll get into later between Baltimore and, uh, and, and Buffalo, is going to be very, very interesting. Because if, you know, this is a game where if Lamar was to win that, now people are taking Lamar back over Josh Allen. If Josh Allen wins it, the people will say, oh, it's not even close between Josh Allen and Lamar. So um, already very early in their career, kind of legacy authoring game right here. Yeah, no, I would I would 100% agree. Let's move on here to the Rams and the Seahawks. Probably, I would say that in Chicago was sort of a snoozer. Um, early on, Jared Goff, we knew, was not going to play. John Wolford ended up getting hurt in this game. The Rams coming into this game, number one in almost every defensive category. I think in this day and age, you know, we get so hung up on the Kansas City Chiefs. We get so hung up on there's only one blueprint to win and you got to play like Mahomes and score this amount of points. But the Rams really have rewritten this. And I think this weekend was very important for the defenses. You saw Baltimore and you saw L.A.'s, especially this, this weekend. I mean, the Rams' defense was phenomenal. I've never seen Russell Wilson as tamed as he was. 11 of 27, 174. He had two touchdowns. He had a late garbage one to DK Metcalf. He throws a pick six. I was just really impressed with how the defense of Sean McVay was the game plan, the strike. Like, I I thought it was A-plus defensively. And I'll ask you this, Tej, from a talent standpoint, yeah. Is there anyone better skill-wise than the in the NFC than the Rams defense? Like, is the Packer offense uh, better than the Rams defense, or is there any uh, team in the in the NFC that has a better defense than LA's? Like, if you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, no, unit. Like, what unit is better sure. in, yes. in the like, NFC? Yes. Um, I guess in theory, some could uh, one could argue um, the Packers' offense because the way Rodgers been playing. One could probably argue now that Michael Thomas is back healthy, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, like that group. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but absolutely, um, what Jalen Ramsey has been able to do to DK Metcalf all year um, as a as a Packers fan, Steve, because you know I'm I'm a 
voluntary Packers fan once the Jets are, you know, after like week two and you realize the Jets aren't going anywhere, I, I just revert back to the Packers. Um, I'm a little nervous about the, my guy Devontae Adams against this Jalen Ramsey matchup. But really? What um, Jalen Ramsey has been phenomenal. Aaron Donald, we obviously know, is phenomenal. And this speaks to me, this speaks to Sean McVay, Steve, because you're talking about, you know, how you said, oh, you know, look how the flashy teams, Patrick Mahomes, the Packers, and how Baltimore and how these guys win games, right? Like with the high flying offense. That was the Rams two years ago. And now yeah. they're and now they've completely transitioned to this run and play defense team. And I know it probably has a lot to do with Jared Goff's inconsistencies and especially his inconsistency inconsistency with his thumb right now where I feel like every three or four throws, the ball just goes – his thumb gives out and the ball goes wherever yeah. it goes. But um, seriously, Sean McVay, 37-0, when leading at halftime as a head coach in the NFL. Um, this is why I said, Steve, I had a bunch of our shows at Arugas. I said I would give up everything for Sean McVay. Like, I don't care. I just want him to be the face and leader of my franchise because there's no way that the Rams should have won this game. No way. No way should they have came into Seattle no. and won. Um, we talked about Seattle, Steve. I, I, I'm a huge Russell Wilson fan. He, he was fell miserable. off. Yeah, he was miserable. Like he was very, very miserable. This was the worst game I ever seen him play. Him and um, him and Kyler, man. I don't know what has happened. This the last second, the second half of the season. I don't know if they were hurt. I don't know. Like, would you be surprised if Wilson comes out and says like, "Oh, I have something I got to get surgery on on Wednesday tomorrow"? Um, I would be surprised, honestly. Uh, I look at their offense. They they were. They had DK Metcalf, Tower Lockett, Chris Carson, like they were all playing. Yeah. Like they were all in the game. Like it wasn't like, and I, you can say what you want about the offensive line, but all the weapons were there. And there's just no reason why Russell Wilson should ever throw 40% completion percentage in a playoff game. I've never seen it. I've never because seen anything like it. That's crazy for a guy who most considered consensus top three. Russ is always in it. Like he's always in the consensus top three. And that's just, that's not a, not, not a performance you expect from Russell Wilson. And, uh, that that's crazy. It's just that's crazy to me that someone like that, Russell Wilson, an all-time great quarterback, just duds out like that in, in a playoff game. Jared Goff, nine of nineteen, hundred and fifty-five yards and a touchdown. He did what he had to do. I like that he came in. I I would have preferred if he started. I understand they can do different things with with Wofford or whatever his name is, a LinkedIn guy. But it showed me a lot about golf. I mean, golf golf had to really fight through this. It's insanely hard to throw a football with a broken thumb. So I give him credit. Then Cam Akers, 21, 28 rushes, 131 yards. So Rams move on. I don't know how much longer they can survive with the sort of inept offense that they put forth. Again, they really scored 23 points because they had a pick six. We'll see if that's enough when they head to Green Bay and face Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. The next game, the Saturday night game, which I probably was the least excited for, and this ended up being a pretty damn good game. Uh, 31-23, the Bucks ended up winning. And, Teach, I'm not a fan of, of handing out credit awards. Yeah. But I will give one to the Washington football team specifically, Taylor Heineke, my guy, um, who he was actually a third-string quarterback for the Vikings um, for a couple of years. And we loved him because in preseason, he always used to put on a show – I talked to my guys out there that cover the Vikes. Him and Zimmer never got along because Heineke was one of those guys that didn't really take practice serious. He kind of was lackadaisical. He wasn't as sharp. But you put this guy in a preseason game and tell him to go play and win, he can go do that. And that was on full display as well Saturday night. I mean, he was gutty. He was mobile. He took shots. He delivered the best ball of the weekend, in my opinion, to Cam Sims on a corner route, and he's going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Tom Brady. Steve, he looked like uh, Johnny Football at A and M. He looked <laughs> like man. 
he looked like Manziel, like the way he was moving back there. And that's why, like, I was jokingly saying in, in, in my, in my group chat, my friends, like, this is exact. And it's not jokingly, but with, with this specific quarterback is jokingly like, this is why I'm all in on a guy who could move. Yeah. Because he has no business being in this game. Like Washington, that's the NFC East team that, you know, they just have to have a team in the playoff. Like Washington's not really a playoff team. They're not really like a good team in the league. They're decent. They have a good defense. Ron Rivera did a phenomenal job with the defense. Like they were, they, and their defense wasn't even good in this game. They were in this game because their offense was exciting and their offense had a quarterback who can move left and right and who can make a play in the backfield and who could slip a sack and make a, you know, run for a first down. Like, just the things like that, like, that's why you need a quarterback like that. And if not, you're starting quarterback. This guy, um, Taylor Henke, he's a free agent. He's definitely a backup quarterback. Yeah, he's like, definitely. He is most definitely a backup quarterback. What do you want from a backup quarterback, Steve? Come in and be different. Come in and be electric, right? Do, do something. I don't want a Brian Hoyer who's just going to come <laughs> in the game and just and just drop back and throw. Game like, manage. Yeah, get, give me something. Give me yeah. something electric. Like, that was a, such a gutty performance. By him, and and I know we're talking a lot about the losers right now, but, man, you got to tip your cap to a guy like that. My big takeaway from this game was Antonio Brown looks like Antonio Brown. Oh, he's back, baby. He's Um, back. Like, first off, Tom Brady looked good, but Antonio Brown looked, like, fast. Like, the A-B of old where A-B catches the ball and he's a threat. And he's going by you and he's making moves and he's getting up and flexing. Like, A-B looked back. Only two catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown, but I couldn't agree more. Even this last couple of games of the season, A.B. has looked like the yes. old A.B. He, he is, a, you know, he is a dynamic, electric player, and I still think he has it. And, and I just want to piggyback. I thought Tom Brady looked sharp. I thought he looked prepared. Yeah. I, I thought he looked like playoff Brady. Like, I thought that he had um, total command per usual of the offense. Uh, but, no, I, I couldn't agree anymore. Antonio Brown looked fantastic. A.B. also – he also had a rush, Steve, for uh, one rush for 22 yards. 22 where, yards, yep. Yeah, they just gave him the ball on the end around. And he's – he just looks fast. And, you know, you got – obviously you got Evans, Godwin, and uh, Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones didn't play. Leonard Fournette stinks, but he played. Um, Ronald Jones got hurt in the warm-ups or whatever. But that looks like a good team. They look they look good. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see them. Oh, man, I, that's my big upset this weekend. This matchup, I just think the Saints match up so well against them. But it okay, is we'll it's talk very about hard it. to beat a team three times in the season, right, Steve? We'll t- you know it. You know it, Teach. I love that phrase. They play uh, the New Orleans Saints next week. Again, we're going to get into those games in just a bit here. We just want to wrap up on the Sunday games as well because this is where it really got juicy. The first one, Baltimore, Tennessee, lot of fire and energy in this game. Pre-game, this was a, you know, a, a team in Tennessee – that just had Baltimore's number. I don't know what it was about. They just had Baltimore's number. Lamar Jackson wanted to end the playoff narrative. He could have went 0-3 here. Again, I'm not a big Lamar guy. I will give credit, okay? I'm not going to be bleak and cynical about Baltimore because of this. They went down 10-0, Teach. I was sitting on my couch with a huge grin on my face and ready to tweet, and start calling Tej and saying, hey, this is your guy, Lamar. This is what I'm saying. And you know what? Baltimore responded. They came down. They kicked yeah. a field goal. Lamar had a game-breaking rushing TD, 48-yard touchdown. They tied Good it up job. at 10-10. Yeah. And then Dobbins ran it up the middle, 17-10. Baltimore scored 17 unanswered. The one thing I don't like about Baltimore, and I still believe it, is that once they go down, they can't come back. They're not built to come back. Neither of these teams are built to come back. But, um, look – I. It was, it was a great win for Baltimore. 
I thought this was more on Vrabel. I was really disappointed in, in, in some of the decisions that Vrabel made. I, I thought they tried to hammer Henry a little bit too much. But nonetheless, the Ravens win 20-13, to 13, and they're moving on to play Buffalo. Yeah, the, um, the, the thing with this, Steve, and, and you kind of just, just touched on it there, and you gave credit, and then you kind of took it, took it away back. Oh, yeah. You know, they're not built to come from behind, but they just came back. They just came from behind in this no, game. No, 17 unanswered. It's something you got you to gotta at least I respect. Think, I, think it's a big, I think it's a big win for them, Steve, obviously because they move on. But just in terms of if they were to lose that game, they don't come back. Lamar's 0-3. They can't come back, and they don't have this. They don't have that. Baltimore has really good defense. And when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson, Steve, who I've been saying all year, the best runner in football when he is in the open field, there is nobody better. When Lamar Jackson is just saying, I'm putting this game on my back, we're running the ball, and every time we throw the ball, it's going to be a little option. We're throwing a five-yard out that turns into maybe seven or a 10-yard gain, and we're just going to move the chains. I love that. I love Lamar Jackson. I'm very happy for him, happy that he won, happy for the Ravens. Um, sad I wish way they for played Derek, Kansas City. Sad, sad way for Derrick Henry to go out after a 2,000-yard season, just kind of a non-factor in the playoff game there. You got to credit Baltimore's defense. But uh, an historically great season for Derrick Henry kind of flames out in the playoff game. Kind of, kind of weird. I'm trying to think, TJ. If you had to guess, would you think that there's going to be another 2,000 rush leader uh, runner in the next 10 years? Like the way the NFL is going, man? I don't know when the next time we, we might be looking at Derrick Henry as the last guy to run for 2,000 yards for quite some time. Like those records, man, you've got to cherish. Like the way that the NFL is going, where it's really just yeah. a two tandem back. No, that's, and- that's a great point. I don't know when the next time we're going to see a running back run for 2,000 yards like this. Like, Cook could have gotten close, but he missed a game. And then at the end of the year, his his um, you know his father passed away, so he missed out on the Detroit game, which I actually was happy. I didn't want him to play. Just nothing stupid for injury purposes. But I don't know, man. Like, the way the NFL is going, Derrick Henry's really the last guy that I can think of that a team, you know, will give him the ball 30 times, even if he has, like, 30, 30 rushes, you know? No, I, I, I agree with that 100%. I think if you set the over or under for the next 10 years at 0.5, 2,000-yard rushers, I think I would have to take the under. Yeah, I would have I to think agree. all the backs that come out nowadays, they're, they're use the passing game just as much as they are in the, in the running game. And not to mention the fact, like you said, most teams aren't giving a running back, you know, 99% of the carries anymore. It's, it's, it's split. Like you're, you're getting – if you're the lead back, you're getting like 70% of the work, 65% of the work. You're not getting that 95, 99% of the work like Derrick Henry does. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I do think that would be the last time we see a 2,000 rusher, in, unless Derrick Henry does it again. But um, I think he's really the only guy capable at this point. Last two games here we'll cover before that. Manscaped.com, promo code STROM. Make sure to go to Manscaped.com, promo code STROM for 20% off. Uh, Chicago and New Orleans, this was the worst game of the weekend. Uh, anyone out on Mitchell Trubisky, look um, – had a nice last couple of games. Uh, here's the defenses that he faced. Detroit, Texans, Minnesota, Jacksonville. Those four defenses were amongst the worst in the league. Plays a competent one against Green Bay. They put up 16 points. And then this was just an abysmal performance. Without a Jimmy Graham late-handed, one-handed catch, they really put up uh, three points. Here's some of the numbers. Chicago put forth 11 first downs. They were one for 10 on third down. They had 48 rushing yards. They were absolutely pitiful. They were out-possessed by 17 minutes, 21 to 38. 
He punted seven times. They had nine penalties. Uh, Trubisky, nice knowing you. Saints, not a, Saints are like Baltimore to me. I'm just not sold on on both of these teams. I, I I'm not. I think they just you know the Bears are just terrible. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Trubisky era is over in in Chicago. It looks like I feel sad like. for Viking fans. Um, the I don't think the Matt Nagy era should be over though. I think them getting to the playoffs, and it was a really weird year, and the fact that they got in was, was really weird. They started good with terrible middle, kind of good late. Um, this just goes to show Nick Foles is terrible as well. Um, <laughs> Nick Foles, after, you know, wins that Super Bowl, just, you know, can't figure it out. In Chicago, you lose the job to Mitch Trubisky, who stinks. Um, this game was on – the most interesting part of this game, Steve, was the fact that it was broadcasted on Nickelodeon. For hey, the first time. you know who was broadcasting it, right? Who? Noah Eagle, baby, our guy. Oh, he was okay. He did it with, okay. he did it with Nate Burleson. Nice. He was on the call. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to see. I, I listened to Pat McAfee, who was talking about it, but I didn't get to see the uh, the Nickelodeon uh, in real time. I didn't get to see the broadcast. But um, Mitch Trubisky won the MVP, Nickelodeon's Valuable Player Award. <laughs> uh, it, they left it up to a vote, which you could never do because that means that the internet trolls are going to have their shot at it. Yeah. Uh, so Mitch Trubisky wins that. Um, oh, just listen, I like the Saints. I expected them to roll in this game. They did. Uh, they're they're looking ahead to this this Tampa Bay game. All right, last one, Brown Steelers. This was the shock of the weekend, without a doubt. The way this game started. Um, well, first of all, I, I will give myself a pat on the back, TJ Severo, because I did say in my podcast on Friday morning, I said. If there was one guy this weekend that loves to play under these circumstances where his head coach is out, where there's multiple starters out, where you haven't practiced in two weeks, if there was one guy that could somehow lead you to victory, I really think that Baker Mayfield was one of those guys that just loves being up against the wall. He's been an underdog his whole life. And he didn't, you know, he played pretty well. He played mistake free, which was the most important part. But this was just an absolute shocker. 28 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, Pouncey snaps it over Big Ben's head, and then they're looking at it like it's a hand grenade. I, it was just – I couldn't believe what I was watching through the first quarter. And then Pittsburgh ends up outscoring Cleveland 28-7 to over the second and third quarter. The play of the game, I will say it till I die. Fourth and one, end of the third quarter, midfield, Momentum is tilted. Tomlin yeah. punts, and that is the game. Yeah. Nick Chubb ends up catching the screen pass for 40 yards, and that was it. That's all she wrote. Cleveland goes into Pittsburgh, wins 48-37. to Unbelievable game. Yeah, it had a feel in the beginning of that game, like uh, the Seahawks-Broncos Super Bowl. How that game started off, very similar fashion, uh, where, you know, where it starts off with the safety over Peyton's head and, you know, Seattle goes on and wins the game. They they dominate the whole game. Um, it had that kind of a feel to it. Uh, you kind of saw this coming from this Pittsburgh team. It was just trending this way. Not that this yeah. early, Teed. Not this early. No, they, they were, not no, this early. Dude, this was a colossal upset. They had no – this was a colossal listen, upset. Listen, I'll say this. I'll say this. I was much more confident in my plus three and a half before I knew Stefanski and the starting left tackle would be out. Let's say that. Let me start by saying that. So I did say I like the Browns plus three and a half on the podcast we did last time, but I'm not going to come out here and be like, oh, I was, I told you so. Like, cause I, I, I fell off that pick. Um, once, you know, I learned that Stefanski was out and the, the left tackle would be out as well. But 
the Steelers, Steve, they can't run the ball all year. When you're asking Big Ben to drive back and throw the ball 67 times, I think, oh, in this game, yep. they're not going to yep. win. And their defense, which was the staple in the beginning of the season, had a lot of injuries, and they got they got hurt, and they just weren't the same defense. So, Steve, I, I do – I this, this did come as much of a surprise to me that they looked this poor – and they, they didn't advance in the playoffs. Like, I'm really not surprised by it. The way they were trending towards the end of the season, um, I thought Cleveland played really well towards the end of the season as well. And you got to give credit where it's due. This Cleveland team, offensively, like, you lose Odell Beckham Jr., but Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, it's the most dynamic backfield in the league. And you look at the, and you look at what these guys do. Okay, you think Kareem Hunt's the, the pass-catching back. Nick Chubb catches the screen ball goes for 40 yards. Kareem Hunt's carrying guys, dragging them into the end zone. Like, Beast, just an absolute beast. And like you said, Steve, Baker, you know, if this is the kind of guy right here where he's your leader going into this kind of a foxhole. Yep. You can roll with it. Baker's been good. Call it how it is. Baker started off kind of slow this year. He's been really good down the stretch, and he was great in the playoff game. Well, what's the trend? Odell Beckham got hurt. Whatever. Um, Browns win their first playoff game since 1995. Look, I, I, I disagree with you in the fact that I didn't think – listen, you could smell – Pittsburgh's suspicion throughout the second half of the year, I did not think that they were capable of losing. I I thought, honestly, midway through the third, I said they're going to win this freaking game. I can't believe it. Um, well, I, I thought I did, they were going to come back and win, too, I, until Tomlin didn't go for it. I, I thought that as soon as Pittsburgh played Buffalo or um, or Kansas City, it, it was it. But I, I was certainly – I was shocked by it. Really quickly, I have to just mention this because I, I really like the kid, and he was a great – you know. Uh, I'm in a dynasty league, so are you. So we both have this guy. I, I do have to say, I am super disappointed in Claypool this weekend. Um, to come out and and say, you know what, the, the, <laughs> people don't like Tomlin for this particular reason. He feels like the, the the locker room's constantly like out of control with Juju with the TikTok, and then Claypool coming out and saying, "Well, they're going to get clapped anyway." You know what, dude? You, shh, yeah, just just, just just be quiet, and then. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster in his press conference says, well, the Browns are a bunch of no-names or whatever. I don't think these younger players understand. Like, take a book out of Tom Brady really quickly. Chase Young says what he says about Brady this week. What does Tom Brady say? Tom Brady, I feel like Colin Coward shaking my head. What, what, what does Brady say? Brady says, yeah, okay, good luck. Uh, he's a really great player. You compliment him. But that's, that's how you, you find really quickly, TJ, that the winners in, in sports – there's a lot of things they have in common. And one of them is not putting fuel to the fire. And like, when you say stuff like that, the Browns already have a chip on their shoulder. Everyone in their mother is telling them you're going to get killed. You're not going to win. And then when the players start to run their mouth, it's like, okay, do you guys not learn that that's, that's added motivation. And then at the end of the game, and I think it was yesterday, Claypool is on Xbox, whatever the hell your esports is. And he's yeah. talking about how, you know, oh, well, they're going to get clapped anyway. It's just, man, these guys, just they just don't get it, Tej. You know, I'm not one to, you know, I like, you know, the TikTok stuff like that. Like, I understand growing the personal brand. But in this situation, like, you don't come out and say, oh, they're going to get smacked next weekend. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's about you getting smacked. Like, you just got smacked. It's not about what they do next week because you didn't put yourself in position to win and get to next week. Um, I still think Claypool's a stud. I think monitoring this Steelers wide receiving core moving forward here, Steve, is going to be really interesting. Deontay Johnson is a free agent, and as is Juju Smith-Schuster. 
So it could end up in a world where Chase Claypool is your number one wide receiver next uh, next year. So yeah, a hundred percent. Really quickly, Teach. Um, and then we'll move on to previewing these games. The last five minutes. Um, biggest loser that won this weekend. It, it has to be the um, the Buffalo Bills, right? Or it has to be. Yeah, it has to be the Buffalo Bills, correct? Why do you say that? Well, who got who was supposed to play? So Kansas City's playing the Browns. Yeah, yeah, right. Wouldn't it make sense if if the Steelers? Yes, the Buffalo Bills because the Steelers are a. Whole, I thought the Bills would kill the Steelers. I think that that's kind of what the Bills were waiting for. They would want to play the Steelers, but instead the Bills have to play the Ravens. So I think it's a lot oh, worse yes, of a absolutely. matchup. So Absolutely. I think that they sort of – look at – I mean, the Chiefs are sitting there like, are you kidding me? They're 10.5-point favorites this weekend. Regardless, they were going to win, I think. But if you're the Buffalo Bills and you're watching this game, you're like, oh, man, like you're licking your chops. Let's go. Let's, let, let me get the Steelers, old man Big Ben, this team coming to Buffalo. That was, I think, the ideal matchup. Now you get Lamar Jackson and this defense coming in, and that's a bad matchup for them again because they play really good defense, they can possess the ball, and they really have an effective run game. Yeah, I, I think if – are we starting off with this uh, potential matchup right here? Are we starting off with the uh, Ravens-Bills? Let's do it. Let's do it. Saturday night, 8-15. Bills are minus two. Ooh. Um, I like the Ravens. I'm going to take the Ravens in this game. Okay. Um, I like it, – it's an emotional pick. It's not a pick with my head. It's an emotional pick. I want them to win. Um, I want to see Lamar advance to an AFC championship against uh, potentially Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I, I think, you know, this Ravens team – they got guys like Marcus Peters. He's going to get beat. Like Diggs is going to beat Peters. Like, we know that. He's going to beat him. But Peters is a dog, and he'll come back, and he'll make a play. And Josh Allen will give you a few balls where you have an opportunity to make a play. I think this Baltimore defense is much better than the Buffalo defense. And for that reason, I'm going to take the Ravens in this game. I think Lamar is going to be great on the ground again. I think Dobbins will do what he wants. They're very inconsistent against the run. Buffalo, uh, Hollywood Brown had a big game, seven for 100 in the last one. I expect him to play well again. Mark Andrews, a little quiet, four for 40. I think he could have a big game as well. Um, I, I like Baltimore. I think they're going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to play defense. I think they uh, – I would probably take Baltimore in this one, like 28 to 24 kind of a thing. Okay, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to take the Bills. I'll take a minus two. I think, um, I, I, I think this Bills team, man, what I see offensively is just – it's just a potent attack, man. And and people always – people have been asking me as of late with Diggs, like, man, you guys screwed up on Diggs, all this kind of stuff, like uh, yada, yada. And I tell him, I said, listen, man, like, I don't even remember Diggs being this good. Like, he's doing things. Like, even me and my dad are like – like, in the beginning, we're like, all right, you know, good for Diggs. He's a, and then we're like, damn. Like, I, I knew he was really good. I didn't think he was this good again on on Saturday. I mean – TJ, like the numbers that this man is putting up, like week in and week out, yeah. he goes six, one twenty-eight, one touchdown. Like this has been a consistent rock all year for this Bills team. But He's a I, 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 I look at, at Josh Allen. I like him a lot better than Lamar Jackson. I think you're right. I think they're going to struggle against the run game of Baltimore. But I still think, and we both agree that a quarterback is going to make or break the game. And as much as Lamar Jackson can break it with his legs, so can Josh Allen, and I'll take Allen's arm over Lamar Jackson. I expect this thing to be tight, but I'm going to lean towards the Buffalo Bills. Interesting. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a uh, – I think this is the game of the weekend. I agree. L.A. Rams at Green Bay Packers. 
it, it does this not feel like you got your your peak um you've got uh you had like your your best game possible from the LA Rams. Like you got the 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 most tough defensive performance. It almost seems like you've squeezed every last ounce of talent out of that Saturday afternoon game in Seattle. That's sort of how I feel about the Rams. They can't I don't think they can duplicate what they did to Russell Wilson. The the biggest thing to me is that they have to go into Lambeau Field where we know how dominant the Packers are especially in January games. Jared Goff is already hurt. He's got the thumb injury. I like Green Bay here, and I probably like them. Um, they're minus seven. I, I would probably take them minus seven. Wow, I can't, I can't believe it's minus seven. Um, what did I you think, think it was, more or less? I thought it would be less. I thought the Packers would be like four-and-a-half-point favorites rather than a, a full seven-point favorites. But um, I haven't looked at the slate yet. I haven't looked at any of the lines yet because if I put my bets in now, then I'm going to have to put more bets in on Sunday. So I just need to relax and <laughs> not look until, until uh, the weekend comes. But um, the, the scares me about the Packers here, Steve. This is where I think no David Bakhtiari is really going to hurt in this game with, you know, Aaron Donald coming up the middle and things of that nature. Um, and I'm nervous. I, I hinted at it before. The Packers offense go as Devontae – they go as Devontae Adams goes. And Jalen Ramsey on Devontae Adams, like I, you are I really scared of that matchup. I, I'm not scared. I just need to see it. Like, am I? I told you how I feel about Devontae Adams and how like all time great I think he is and could be. This is the matchup right here. Like, all right, if we come out and cook Jalen Ramsey, you're that guy. You're probably the best receiver in the league if you come out here. And if he comes out here, Steve, and and does seven for one thirty five and two scores against Jalen Ramsey. We'll be saying Devonta Adams is the best wide receiver in football after this game, correct? Yes. Yeah, so, I, I honestly kind of think that to start, to be honest. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, it will be like, okay, nail in the coffin, unless Tyreek Hill, you know, which is very possible. He could go 11 for 203 scores. But Aaron Rodgers against Jared Goff in this game is what it comes down to for me. Um, it, it's got – you got to lean Rodgers. Like, okay, I understand the Rams defense played phenomenal. Packers are a little banged up on the offensive line. Um, I, I hope uh, you get a lot of uh, – Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, uh, God help me. So if if Marquez Valdez-Scantling is put in a position where he needs to make a big <laughs> play because I don't trust him at all. No. But I like Alan Lazard. I, I like an Alan Lazard to score a touchdown in this game. Look for big Bob Tunyon as well. Um, I, I'm in on the Packers, Steve. I'm in on them Them going to the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm ready for the Super Bowl run. I'm with you too. I'm with, the, I'm with the Green Bay Packers as well. I think they make it to the Super Bowl as well. I think they're the favorite, and I think they will come out of the NFC. All right, the Sunday games. I'm going to make a proclama- uh, proclamation here on Triple Thread Podcast. Okay. The Browns go into Kansas City. Yeah. Okay? The Chiefs are minus 10. Now, I don't have the nuts to do the spread. If the Cleveland Browns go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, I'm going to come over to your house, and I will make a rap about Baker Mayfield with the help <laughs> of Chris Savannah. Okay? Steven Strom on the mic. Okay? C, uh, S-Bars. If the Kansas City Chiefs lose to the Cleveland Browns, this is how confident. There is no way. I, I there's, there's trying to think of a situation. Uh, okay, let me let me let me have this. Let me have this in my contract. If Patrick Mahomes doesn't get hurt. Okay. Yes. 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 There is no physical, mental, emotional, spiritual way that the Kansas City Chiefs lose this game. And if they do, I will create a rap. I will write my lyrics. I have bars for you. And I will go to Chris Savaro and I will say, give me maybe K-Lone. And I will say, listen, chop me up a beat. 
put me on the mic and let me get wild. And that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> um, I'm rooting for the, for the Browns now. Um, <laughs> I want to hear it, but uh, I agree with you, man. There's, there's no way. Um, I mean, hypothetically, the way would be you just dominate with the run and you force Patrick Mahomes into, I would say, have to be multiple turnovers. But with that being said, I watched old, fat, slow Big Ben just carve up the Browns after that, that first quarter. Um, Patrick Mahomes going to dominate in this game. I think it's, they're a fast track for the Super Bowl as well. Uh, what do they want, Steve? 25 or 26 of the last games that Patrick Mahomes has played in. Yeah. They don't lose. Patrick Mahomes doesn't lose football games. No. Uh, this is going to be a routing. I like I, – I would take the spread. I would take them with the spread. I, I think – I might tease them to 13. Kansas City hasn't uh, – Kansas City hasn't blown someone out in a while. They're due. They're due for a huge offensive explosion. Nice story for the Browns. Great season. You know, you, you can't hang your head on going into Arrowhead and losing. But, uh, yeah, give me, give me the, the Chiefs big in this one. All right, last game on Sunday night, and we'll wrap this thing up. Buccaneers Saints. This is a Bucks team that has just struggled against this Saints team this year. They lost to them week one, 34-23, and then they just got annihilated on Sunday night, 38-3. This is a revenge game. We talk about it all the time. It's hard to beat a team three times in one year. I like the Bucks. The Saints are favored by three. Again, I think the Buccaneers are clicking on all cylinders. Defensively, that is where I think they are the most underrated. They can stop the run, which is what you need to do when you're facing Alvin Kamara and that team. Drew Brees isn't going to beat you with your arm anymore. I think the Bucs come in here, and I think they beat the New Orleans Saints to get to the NFC Championship. Wow. Um, I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I think this, Steve, I think if the Bucs were playing – I think if the Bucs were – I would like the Bucs' chances more against the Packers than I would against the Saints, only because that pass rush of the Saints – in two games we've seen so far has given Tom Brady and the Bucks fits and they have, you know, the Saints defense, they play really well. I think I like the Saints defense more than I like the Packers defense. Uh, I think that this is just a team that has their number. I think this is kind of the same situation, even though they only played twice last year and not three times, but uh, San Francisco against green Bay, like even though people could have said, okay, maybe green Bay is a better team, but in terms of how the teams match up against each other, San Francisco clearly dominated that matchup against Green Bay. I think what we've seen so far, neither game is – don't let that 34-23 to 23 final scores fool you in the first week because the Saints dominated that game as well. They've dominated two games. Obviously, you could never count Tom Brady out in the playoffs. I'll give the coaching edge to Sean Payton over Bruce Arians as well. I like the Saints in this one. I think they advanced to the NFC Championship. All right, so in review here, TJ's got the Ravens, Green Bay, Kansas City, and New Orleans. I have got um, Buffalo, uh, Green Bay, Kansas City, and Tampa. So, T, yep. you have one road dog winning, and so do I. Your road dog is Baltimore. My road dog is Tampa Bay. Any other final thoughts here before we wrap this thing up? I definitely want to get back on here probably Sunday night if we can do the Zoom, Teach. I think yeah, if you're not you. working, it would make a lot of sense for us to get the recap in, especially being that that last game is at 640. So my bedtime, I can push back a little bit. Uh, sadly, Steve, Sunday night, I, I close. I work till 11 on, on Sunday night. Um, you know you know how my life goes. But um, Zoom is a, it's a game changer for us. Game, game changer. Game, game changer. changer. Even Just excited, excited, excited for the weekend. For sure, for sure. Any uh, NBA stuff for me? What's going on with Kyrie? He's a clown or what? I would. I we need. I don't want to just throw it in at the end of the podcast. We need to have like 
a midweek NBA pod. Like okay. we need to, we need to do one of those before we we get into because there's a lot of stuff going on in the NBA. The NBA is uh, a lot a lot of stuff going on right now. All right, Teach. <laughs> it has been an absolute pleasure. Wrap this thing up, Steve. Uh, we're on Zoom now. This is great. Everyone, thank you for listening to us. Make sure to subscribe on the podcast. Make sure to go. Um, you know, yo, if you're out there, you're still listening to this point of the podcast. Manscaped really does Manscaped, wonder. For, for, man. Manscaped really does wonder for you down there. So uh, definitely hit up Coach Strom and, and get your percentage <laughs> off and uh, do your thing over there.